Kade Falcha. Welcome to On Crombie Podcast, a special edition for July 16, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back for another episode of news from around the world and an op-ed about something that may or may not be important to you, depending on what matters to y'all. This once normally is a once-a-week podcast, but this is a special edition, and it's still being hosted on RSS.com, still available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. So normally I offer you a bunch of stories from news feeds and blog writers from around the world, and it's still the case here, but today is special, and I'll get to that here, the details here in a minute. So a little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Shanghai, a Gaelic storyteller. And I want this podcast to feel like we are sitting under the Ankrambia, which is Gaelic for the tree of life, typically the village oak tree. Sitting under this digital tree together, I will read for you headlines from news feeds, relevant blog articles about climate change, racism, politics, social justice pieces, usually not found on the front pages, and why I think these stories are relevant to the world we find ourselves in now. This podcast is free to subscribe to for all who care to listen. I don't want money to stop you from listening to this. The purpose of this show is to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late to do anything about it. I do offer the option of donations on the rsss.com webpage where this show is hosted, Within my blog and within my blog articles, much like passing a hat at the end of my visit to your digital village. I also publish a weekly newsletter detailing everything I talked about today with links to the articles I bring attention to and some commentary about the week's events at medium.com and substack.com, all to support my online activism and storytelling. I will also be taking a break once I've delivered these headlines from the last, well, you know, the headlines are specifically to this edition this week. And, but I will be taking a break once I get through here a little bit of the headlines. Today, I'm going to be bringing you this, as I mentioned, special edition and is dedicated to the LGBTQ plus peoples around the world. Those who are being persecuted for just for being different. I have a small handful of relevant articles and a special treat in the op-ed an interview with a noted LGBTQ plus activist, Mr. James Finn. Stick around to listen to what he has to say. So let me start out with, with these hand-picked articles. Now, due to the interview, this podcast is a little bit longer than usual. Please forgive me, but this is important with regards to the bias happening in the U.S. right now. Now, with that, I'm going to get into the couple of stories I have for you. And as I said, I picked them out specifically for just this special edition. And the first article I came up with was from Mr. James Finn. He came out with us a few days ago. Michigan Salon calls trans folks pets, refuses service, cites SCOTUS. So let's talk about the Supreme Court, creative expression, civility, and the politics of hatred. So I wrote that this is another good article about how stupid humans can get. The person he talks about in this article sounds like so many other Republican conservatives who can barely read and get all our information from right-wing podcasts and Fox News. Why can't we learn to just get along with everybody in the world? The majority of the human race doesn't want to hurt anyone. They just want to live a decent life, free from persecution of any kind from their fellow humans. Why is that so hard to understand? My next article is a gay couple ran a rural restaurant in peace. 
Then new neighbors arrived. William Wayborn and Craig Spaulding, both 76, owners of the front porch, had met a couple since 1973 when they worked at the Dallas Times-Herald, a newspaper that closed in 1991. They married in 2020, five years after they opened the front porch, which quickly became a destination in the Plains, which is a very small rural town up in northern Virginia. So this is a story from the Washington Post, and it's being mirrored across the United States everywhere these days. A conservative couple moved next door, and they decided they should force the gay restaurant to move as it offended them and their political aspirations. Now due in large part to the extreme stress caused by this red state man and his wife, they're selling out for health reasons. One of the, one of the owners recently had heart problems and had to go to the hospital. I recommend you highly reading this story on a mobile device for free. I say mobile device simply because Washington Post is a little picky about reading their stuff on the inter, you know, on your computer. They want a subscription. I found that if you read it on a mobile device, you can read it for free. My next article, Wisconsin teacher fired for criticizing school district man song of Rainbow Land. Melissa Temple dismissed after she tweeted frustration at band of Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus song exalting virtues of inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity, inclusive, inclusivity. I hope I said that right. Uh, it's another fight over culture wars in school districts. Another teacher fired for, for singing an inclusivity, inclusivity song with her first grade class without getting permission from a conservative school board. We already know what the answer would have been if she had requested permission. And, they're, you know, she's fighting an uphill battle in court. This is another one of so many others around the country where the white conservative minority with power in rural areas don't want inclusivity in their insular little towns. And I got another article here from James Finn that came out um, within the last couple of days. My neighbors ended free childhood health care over anti-trans hatred. Hatred, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic accusations of Satanism also played a role. And he published this in Prism and Pen. So it's a follow-up article from one that he published last fall regarding Christian citizens becoming enraged by a public mural for a free children's health clinic at a local school. They, the, the health clinic solicited a high school student to paint the mural, and she decided to include everybody, which is a good thing. It was supposed to be welcome to all children, regardless of sexual orientation, religion, or skin color. Instead, it generated a backlash, and the conservative majority school board decided to close the health clinic. They say it was about money, but read between the lines. It was more about the mural and the Christian uproar. I encourage everyone to read this article to find out the good news that's showing up in small amounts across the U.S., but starting to grow stronger as people apparently are saying we've had enough of this these minor minority Christian parents dictating policies against the will of the majority. And then I picked up my last article here just before, just before I started this podcast. This came out of Canada. This is a this is a CBC News article. How Canadian director Louis de Philippe's debut film about a family vacation leaned into trans joy. This film transported me back in time, says executive producer Julia Fox, who told that to the CBC News by Jenna Benchitrit from CBC News. I hope I said her name right. 
This is a promotion for a Canadian film by a Canadian-Italian filmmaker about a sort of normal family vacation with one of the children as a trans woman. Now, what is special about this is it's not special. It's just a, a, a small comedy about family dynamics, Italian style. And it looks like a really good indie film to watch. I think I'm going to try and find it and see if I can watch it. So that's the stories I have for this special edition. As I said earlier, this, the podcast itself today is a little bit lengthy due to the interview. So I, I didn't want to put a lot of articles into this. So at this point, I'm going to take my break and I'm going to come right back and we're going to get right into the op-ed. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website on Crombieha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. In this website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my articles, teasers about my books, and a synopsis of the weekly podcast. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what An Krabiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to this podcast, my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my Medium.com and Substack.com articles, I have an option at the end of these articles and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and sign up for a subscription if you want. I also post a weekly newsletter as a follow-up to the podcast every week in both publications. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which I why I offer everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full pieces, though, even though I offer them for free, so just a heads up. Each article I write will be, avail- be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. I just don't have all the extra frills that you'll find on medium.com and substack.com or access to all the other great writers there. But at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are great choices to find out what you like most and dive in as much as you want. I hope to hear from you, whatever you decide. Welcome back to the second half of Ang Krambiha podcast. This is, as I mentioned, this is a special edition of Ang Krambiha for this week. If you're a frequent listener, you know by now that I talk about all the different types of injustices humans perpetrate against one another and the planet's ecosystem. In this special edition, I brought you a handful of LGBTQ articles that show the cruelness and niceness of people regarding the worldwide community and now, this special episode. I bring you an actual interview with a noted activist and writer for Prism and Pen. He writes at Medium.com and is very active within the LGBTQ community at large. All with his writings mostly these days, and also acted to a degree within his local community where he currently lives. Now, during the interview, which I conducted by phone, so you'll have to excuse the audio, he discusses where he lives a little, his past, and his current activism role. So, right now, I'm going to insert this interview with Mr. James Finn, recorded on July 14, 2023. Hello, everyone. My name is Terrence O'Donnell from Ankrombiha Podcast. And today we're going to do an interview with a, what I call a professional, I I think he's professional, um, an LGBTQ author, and he publishes in Prism and Pen. I wanted to say that right. I almost turned it around backwards. Prism and Pen. And his name is James Finn. And what I have here is a little bit about him. He's going to... I, I generated some questions for him, which he was very kind to answer. And now we're doing a, like a, an on-phone interview here. 
And so I'm going to go through and just go through the questions with him. I'm going to let him answer in his own words. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. So, Mr. Finn. Yes, sir. Like I said, this is a first time for me, so I'm going to do the best I can here. Uh, I'm going to lead right in with, yeah, I'm going to lead right in with the very first question. So my, the borders was, how, how did you get started to be an activist? So I, as far as your activism is concerned, kind of describe it a little bit and, you know, what motivated you to start? And it was awful. 
Hmm. It was depressing. It was sad. And there was no end in sight. And nobody knew what to do. Um, shortly thereafter, um, I joined Queer Nation first. Uh, a terrible wave of gay-bashing violence had broken out in the village, not just Greenwich Village, but the East Village, too, and other parts of Manhattan. Nobody really knows why it got started. But two organizations formed out of that, the Pink Panthers and Queer Nation. Mm. And, and I joined Queer Nation. I did several um, zaps and protests in the street with that, but lots of people did. Uh, I mean, you know, thousands of people, well, at least hundreds, <laughs> would show up to a starstruck Iowa boy, it might have looked like thousands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that was very interesting. Um, one of my very first idols and heroes uh, was Michelangelo Signorelli, who started uh, Queer Nation, or who was one of the very first founders, I should say, of mm. Queer Nation. Uh, he and a few other people who also participated heavily with ACT UP uh, encouraged me, you know, to check out ACT UP also, especially because of the work that I was already doing with HIV and AIDS. <laughs> and, and I did. Uh, and I soon specialized in, uh, in safer sex education, doing, uh, doing zaps and, and, and guerrilla, uh, street theater education events in places like Washington Square. Um, when I say, Guerrilla Street Theater. I'm talking about me and a and a good friend of mine in booty shorts and crop tops, <laughs> um, dancing around and throwing condoms and safer sex literature into the crowds. So, <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> but it was important activism too. Right, we right. Were, we were getting out really critically needed safer sex information. At the same time, we were we were participating in a broader strategy of communicating that, that safer sex is hot sex. Hmm. And so I was young and a good-looking twink at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it fit. It fit. So so that was fun. That's how my activism got started. Um, and, I mean, a lot more came after that, and I could tell lots of stories, but that's not really what we're talking about today, so maybe we'll save that for another day. Oh, there you go. See, I'm all about other days. Um, so how about this? We'll go with, I'm going to kind of write in because, you know, we're on a bit of a time constraint here. I'll just right. lead right into the next question. So, and this goes into what you just said. So what are you actively doing now besides writing, writing articles for medium.com? I mean, do you write for anybody else? Well, that's about what I'm doing right now. Um, for years, I wrote two to three weekly columns for the Los Angeles Blade and the Washington Blade. I also occasionally wrote uh, for LGBT Nation and other specialized queer publications. But um, these days, I'm focusing very much on my own writing, appearing in our publication, Prison and Pen, which exists to amplify queer voices. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I spend more time editing and working on on other people's stories than I do my own. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's great uh, because, I mean, there's a real need, especially during this time of, of backlash, to get authentic voices out there. Mm -hmm. And and I don't ever want to forget that my stories are now old stories. And I can inspire and tell great stories about what happened decades ago, but 
I'm not in the thick of things. So the best thing I feel that I can do is help younger people get their stories out there right now. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like that too. I mean, I'm at the age now where I'm all about the young people getting off the couch and doing something. So I want to use the podcast that I've put out here to push them. And, you know, Great. whether it's climate activism, racism, you know, LGBTQ stuff, whatever it, whatever it is, it's it all comes into the same thing. You know, getting young people interested in whatever it is that they're interested in, whether it's politics or climate change or, you know, civil rights, what have you. But get them off the couch. That's that's my number one goal. Right. right. Well, we don't have too much problem with getting them off the couch in the queer world. Young people are highly motivated right now. Hmm. So, because some terrible things are going on in the United States, in the United Kingdom, around the world, random anti-LGBTQ street violence is surging, anti-queer legislation is all the rage. Oh, man. Um, Transphobia is terrible, and it's irrational, and it's dehumanizing, and it's all too common in far too many places. Anti-gay uh, sentiment is on the rise again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you read an article I wrote a few weeks ago now, but uh, there's been a major backsliding on the percentage of Americans who believe that same-sex relationships are acceptable. Yeah, I did read that. Or moral, I think is the word. But something like 15% there was a drop in support of same-sex relationships by something like 15% among registered Republicans, and a drop, believe it or not, of 6% among Democrats. And that frightens me. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I blame the media for that. For them, it's, you know, clicks equal money, and anything they can write that'll get them, get somebody to click on their articles, they don't care whether they're progressive or right-wing. It's all about clickbait. Right. Right. Yes. All right. So, third question. What are your plans for the future with regarding the continuing fight for LGBTQ plus rights and fighting against the current fear monitoring? Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned that already a little bit. Keep writing. Keep I get down. it. And I just, I want to plug uh, Medium. So for a minute, with okay. Answer because I, I do intend to continue uh, um, doing the best that I can with Prism and Pen to amplify queer voices, and I want to say that Medium is a terrific platform that is helping us do that. Hmm. Um, there are programs in place. I don't. Medium is getting away from algorithmic distribution to human interface. Okay. And they put some programs in place. Nobody needs to know what all the technical details are because they're complicated. Right. But they put programs in place to get humans in the loop to push good stories, to identify and push good stories. I'm part of that process. So are other people in Prism and Pen. And um, Medium is proving to be a fabulous partner in amplifying the voices we're trying to amplify. And we we intend to continue working with them over the next few years and 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 really get our voices out there and get some necessary things heard by, by a lot of people. Well, that's good, because actually I didn't know that. I had heard about the algor- algorithm stuff, uh, but I didn't realize that they were switching gears. 
So I mean, there might be some hope for the other things too. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I'm really uh, pleased with uh, with where Medium is headed these days. I'm pleased that Prism and Pen is part of the Medium infrastructure, and I'm optimistic about that. What that means for amplifying queer voices in you know in the near term and medium term future. Well, that's good to know because I mean I still I still publish things on Substack, but I know that they're a little bit more biased in a lot of ways, and I'm surprised I didn't get any blowback because I think it was. Two weeks ago, I did a big podcast um, with majority of the news line, news articles and blog articles, a lot of them were yours, um, on, you know, the LGBTQ stuff because of Pride Month. And I'm surprised Substack didn't blow back on that. Well, uh, some of, uh, I mean, I know some, some queer activists, colleagues of mine use Substack and they seem reasonably okay with it, but I'll, I'll say this for my money. I, 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 I think medium is more writer friendly and more effective. No, I agree with you. I do. I do agree with that. I've limited my stuff on Substack because of that. Um, I had a, I got a Canadian friend and she's also part of the LGBTQ culture up there. And she actually got, you know, she got blasted really bad for something here a couple months ago and she just you know she dropped her substack altogether uh, because of that and I started I started being I started looking out a lot more for my stuff as well you know after I heard about her problems so you know I got my fingers crossed but you know like anything else I'm looking over my shoulder a little bit right now next question so this one here is a little bit about yourself so what do you like to do when you are on the streets you know, extolling against right-wing nutjobs, and those are my words, uh, who want to make all the LGBTQ people disappear. Well, I live in a, in a pretty little house way up in northwest Michigan in the middle of nowhere, very rural. I, you might have seen in some of my recent writing that I've alluded to some of that. I think it helps give me a perspective on what's going on in Red America. But I'm here... Uh, because I want to be, um, I'm, uh, I moved up here to help take care of my dad in his last days, and uh, it's a nice place to retire to. And I and I am retired. I'm 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 trying to adapt. I'm not always successfully adapting, but I'm trying to adapt to aging and some and 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 what can be pretty severe chronic arthritis that is sometimes very disabling. Hmm. Um, I used to run marathons for pleasure and bike. I was even training for a triathlon at one point. But uh, now, just doing my own lawn care and gardening can be too much. In fact, just before we started this, to record this, I had somebody over here doing some tree trimming and pruning and, and or, or, or hedge trimming and tree pruning for me. Normally, I would do that myself, but I've had to adapt and learn that you know I'm going to have to do things differently now. Uh, I live with my boss, who's a small uh, gray and white uh, female cat named Elsa. Um, she is she approves very much of my bird watching hobby, which is one <laughs> of my big things. I have uh, I have bird feeders, all sorts of different kinds of bird feeders set up all around the house. Uh, on 
under our maple trees. We are just thick cover of trees here. Huh. But we we attract Baltimore Orioles and hummingbirds and finches and uh, what did I just see a few minutes ago? A red a red uh, a rose breasted grosbeak and just thick with birds. When I wake up in the morning, I hear nothing but loud bird song. Huh. So. Um, I sit out on the porch in the evening with fresh squeezed lemonade with Elsa, who is meowing right now because I'm not paying attention to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that, what that's like. That kind of covers that, actually. Um, so that's my, that's yeah. my personal life. I mean, I'm, yeah, and I'm like that, too. I'm, I'm retired. Um, I've had lots of hats on all through the years. And like you, I suffer from, the, you know, disabling arthritis I don't get around as much. Um, the Veterans Administration is doing all they can for me, but like anything else, there's only so much they can do. Um, right. you know, I think that's just right. a product of all of the activities I did in my younger days. I mean, I was career military, so I was doing PT up into my late 40s every morning. Um, Good. What branch were you in? I retired from the Army. Okay. Yeah, I retired. I started my military. I started my military career in the Marine Corps in the reserves, hmm. uh, and used that to pay for college. And then, and then I accepted a commission uh, in the Air Force. Ah, yeah, yeah. After that, right? No, I was I was just an NCO. I I had to do all the all a lot of the grunt work that the the younger people had to do. But uh, I retired from Fort Bragg twenty years ago. Okay. Well. All right, so I'm let's get into this next question here. So, do you see any signs that this current phase of fear and hate of the LGBTQ and transgender use may be abating? Well, you kind of talked about that. It's somewhat backed off because Pride Month's over with, but it's still ramping up a little bit. So, I mean, what do you what do you think? I definitely see signs that the backlash, and that's what I call it, the anti-LGBTQ backlash, I definitely see signs that the backlash is abating. That doesn't mean that I'm filled with optimistic joy. A lot of terrible things are happening Mm -hmm. um, still, and and I think they probably will continue to for a while. But polls show that that solid majority of Americans, and I don't just mean Democrats, I mean solid majorities of Americans across political parties, support basic basic LGBTQ equality, and they dislike current spiteful laws that are directly targeting transgender people, and especially kids. Hmm. Americans don't like it. Right. And the more... um, the Republican Party's got itself in a bind. They don't have anything to sell to the American public right now. Yeah. They don't have any grand ideas for how to make life in the United States better for anybody. So so what they've got to sell is fear. Fear of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of the great bogeyman uh, socialism. And most of all right now, fear of queer people, especially transgender people. Right. Um, and so, you know, loud extremists are seizing the public stage and attracting fringe support. But I'm telling you, what I see is a backlash to that backlash. The vast majority of Americans are basically nice people, whatever their political persuasion is. I mean, I might not agree with their politics or their religion or whatever, but 
Americans tend to be kind and welcoming to their neighbors as a people. Yeah. If they don't like what they're seeing from these fringe right. Republican activists. And I think that in the long run, that, that what the Republicans are up to right now is going to bite them in the ass. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. I'm seeing that, too. And there's been a lot more rhetoric on the, on the Internet about that. And it's it's going to continue. And I'm thinking that Americans are going to let their displeasure know at, at the polls here over the next 12, 13 months or so. Um, and yeah. we'll see how yeah, that works I out. Any, I don't want to make any predictions because politics are unpredictable right. and strange. But all I'm going to say is I don't think that what the Republicans are trying to sell is, is, is a winning proposition. Especially when you got Senator Tuberville from Alabama doing what he's doing right now. There's a whole lot of people upset about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next. So I'm going to do the best I can. I don't know if you've noticed the tenor of my stories for the last oh, few months, I guess, maybe three or four months. That's the kind of that's the kind of story that I try to opine about, okay. editorialize about. Okay. I, I, I try to highlight extremism that, that, that most people, most decent people, find unacceptable, cruel, or whatever. Right. And then talk about how it doesn't have to be that way, that, 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 that Americans don't have to accept fear-mongering regardless of their political persuasion. Yeah, and I'm trying to do that too in my podcast as well. I mean, I my comments after uh, you know when I read the headlines are pretty much along with that as well. I mean, yes, I want people to get up and and do more, you know, do more for themselves. And also, though, I'm also trying to call out some of the stupid stuff. You know, I try to stay away from MTG and Lauren Balbert and all those other idiots. Um, but Tuberville, on the other hand, even though he's stupid. He's actually in a position to act to actually do some bad things with our military strength, and it's coming to a head. I'm I'm very curious to see how that's going to work out. Of course, I'm a little biased because I'm career military, but are you, still. Are you referring? Are you referring to the? Are you referring to the bill that uh, that, that recently passed the House that would um, that would block uh, health care for transgender people in the military? Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. What he's doing is he's blocking all of these high-end, high-end promotions for all the generals and chiefs of staff. I see. And that is cutting into our military integrity and our standing overseas with the, you know, with other countries. Um, and now that McConnell is is calling him out on it, I'm kind of curious to see what's how it's going to end up. Right. Me too. <sighs> so keep us up to date. Right. Right. I, well, I, thing is, I'm also trying not to not to inundate everybody with the same stuff over and over again. Right. right. Now, how about, let's see. Now, do you see a trend in L... It's kind of a little bit different question. Uh, do you see a trend in LGBTQ migrations from unfriendly locations in North America to safer havens? I mean, I, I included the continent because some folks are trying to get into Canada. Yeah, you bet, I see trend. Um, not only do I see a trend that I can go over some data, but I've actually interviewed members of several families who who have left, 
are leaving. Uh, last autumn, uh, just a few months ago, I guess maybe nine months ago, I interviewed uh, I interviewed a mother who sold all of her possessions, practically all of her possessions, mm. packed up whatever she had left uh, in her car, got in it with her transgender son, and took off to live in a homeless shelter in New York State. Wow. Because her son was being denied health care. He, he was reacting very badly to it. Um, he was about, he was 16 years old at the time. He had been on testosterone hormone replacement therapy for a while. And he was forced, because of Florida policy, to go off in cold turkey. And he became pretty emotionally overcome. Uh, he told me, in fact, that he became suicidal. Wow. And when his mother saw what was happening and saw that things were going to get worse in Florida instead of better, she dumped her whole life out the window and fled with him. Uh-huh. And that's happening not just a little bit, it's happening a lot. I interviewed a family in Texas around the same time period, actually, who, um, this is a little bit more complicated story and I won't get into the weeds, but it had to do with homophobia, it had to do with a gay teenage son, and they ended up, um, they ended up uprooting their lives and leaving Texas. Yeah, I've read a bunch of stories about those, you know, not not the specific ones you're talking about, but I've read, you know, last last two years, I've read a lot of stories about folks who are leaving places like Florida, Texas, and now a lot of them are starting to leave, you know, leave the Midwestern states for all that same stuff. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma is is pretty much every bit as bad as Texas or or um, Florida. Tennessee is bad, yeah. very bad. Yeah. Uh, in in fact, Tennessee. So so federal judges have been overturning state law. I uh, say laws, these new state laws that are passed to deny um, transition care to trans teenagers. And so we just had a really big setback in Tennessee. Hmm. And a, the, a, a circuit judge there ruled that, uh, in fact, Tennessee's health care ban is constitutional. That set up a, uh, that has set up a, a circuit split and it'll end up at the Supreme Court and nobody knows what's going to happen. But in the meantime, whatever happens, this is now in effect in that circuit. Hmm. And, and, and people are packing up and leaving because they feel they don't have any choice. Right. And, and, and people have a really wrong idea about what's going on, too. Yeah. I tell you, this isn't about surgery. Teenagers are not having their genitals operated on. Right. Uh, top surgery is also very rare. We're talking about kids, in many cases, who have lived as their gender practically their entire lives. We're talking about maybe somebody who transitioned at, I just read a story this morning about somebody who transitioned at eight. Ooh. At eight. Now, when I say transition, understand, that means they began identifying as a girl and dressing as a girl. That's all that means yeah. at that age. Yeah. But they're much older now, and they have been living as a girl their entire life. And now, as a teenager, they're suddenly faced with being forced 
by the government to be transitioned. Ooh. They're they're not out as transgender at school. Everyone knows her as a girl mm-hmm. in her but but her high school is forcing her to use facilities and restrooms in such a way that it does out her. And it's not right. No. And it's not humane and it's not decent and she's gonna flee where she lives to somewhere that treats her with a modicum of decency and respect. Mm. And that's happening all over the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I've been I've been reading a lot about that, you know, especially from Texas. I lived in Texas for five years and between the environment and, and the politics, you know, it didn't take us much when I had the opportunity, it didn't take us long to find a better place to live. Um, you know, that was right. about three years oh, ago. I should mention, by the way, I forgot to, uh, I, I did draft up answers to these questions beforehand for the audience, but uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention regarding the migration, the Department of Defense is helping. So DOD and, and the various service branches, I don't have all the details at my fingertips, but at least some of the service branches including the Marine Corps, if you can believe it, <laughs> have told their people, listen, if you have trans kids or if you're trans and you're having problems because you live in Florida, because we have sent you to Florida or Texas, mm-hmm. stationed you there, we will give you a humanitarian transfer out of state. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Thank God we have a, re- a Democratic president because if we had a Republican president, yeah. I very much doubt that the DOD would be allowed to do that. No, and you're absolutely right. And that's goes go back to goes back to Tuberville from Alabama. He's fighting that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 DOD is people conservatives, Republicans have the idea that the military is so conservative that that they're not in to LGBTQ people, that they don't like gay service members, that they don't like trans service members, and that is not true. I agree. The Department of Defense has the Department of Defense champions diversity. I mean, listen, I'm a radical liberal, and I'm not going to say I love the DOD, but they see it in their best interests to to have a diverse population of of soldiers, airmen, and sailors. Mm-hmm. And they're a, they don't like what conservatives are trying to force on them because it's not good for their service members, which means it's not good for them. Right, right. Well, I mean, I I was in the military back in the old days of the don't ask, don't tell stuff from, you know, Slick Willie's days. But, um, you know, still, they they have come a long ways, you know, and I I applaud them for it. I'm just just glad they're fighting this business right now. Um, I I have a friend who was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. I mean, he's not infantry, he's, he's, he's IT. Hmm. But uh, he's HIV positive and openly gay, and his command love him. Hmm. I mean, they're giving him all the support in the world. He's been promoted on schedule and ahead of schedule. He's been given increasing levels of responsibility because he's very good at what he does. And he's a good leader, he's a good technician, and... You know it. You you served in the military. You know what it's like. If you have if you if you if you find a very talented soldier, what do you do? You you do the best you can to retain them. Exactly. And uh, 
I was, I have to admit that I was startled that, that, that this guy, the staff sergeant, has that kind of command support, but he does. And that's today's military. Well, that's, they've come a long way since I was in, but even then, I mean, yeah. we had a higher tolerance of what they used to call others, and it didn't really matter whether yeah. you were, you know, LGBTQ or whatever. It was just that as long as you did your job and you didn't, you know, our biggest issue back in the old days were the, what I call the right-wing, right-wing Christians who would be in a foxhole trying to teach the Bible to you. And we're like, dude, we're shooting down rage at soldiers and, and people are shooting back at us. You need to put your Bible away and get your gun out. <laughs> yeah, that became a problem in the Air Force. We're getting we're off, this off on a rabbit track now, but uh, I don't know if you remember the scandals about the Air Force Academy and forced uh, worship and things like that. Evangelical Christianity did for a number of years become so entrenched in the Air Force that, uh, that it became a problem. Wow. For people who weren't Christians, and, and, and it took a while for seniors, you know, senior command staff to, to get a handle on that. Yeah, no, actually, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that one. Um, I've heard other things, but not that one. No. Not something I know a great deal about, but I, I have read right, a few things. Right, right, right. Interesting. So, next question Are there any nonprofit resources? such as the ACLU, which I mentioned before, that are trying to help with all this. And can you name some and how somebody could get all of them? You bet. And, and let me start out by saying that, that legal advocacy groups like the ACLU and Lambda Legal do fantastic work. Lambda Legal is like the queer-specific analog to the ACLU. They do very similar work. Uh, they challenge bad laws. They challenge laws that restrict liberty and freedom, and they look for good test cases that they can use to overturn bad law. For for example, the you know Lambda Legal, Lambda Legal, and the ACLU are taking point in in some of these cases denying health care to trans people, denying transition care to, to trans people. Mm -hmm. um, but. But people can misunderstand that sometimes, too, misunderstand the mission of groups like this. Um, the ACLU and Lambda Legal and similar organizations don't have the resources to be your personal lawyer or advocate. If you call them up because you're in trouble and something bad is happening to you, I mean, there's not a lot that they can do for you because their budget is dedicated to paying lawyers to challenge bad laws. So if you're looking for direct support, if you're looking for somebody to represent you in court, or you're just looking for, you know, a support group, then you need to go looking elsewhere. Um, and a good place to start is Centerlink. I already mentioned that my late, uh, my late partner and I met at the community center in Greenwich Village in 1990. We now have community centers like that all over the country in every major city and in some, you know, and in, in lots of medium cities and even in some small cities. Huh. They, they, net, they network together uh, on this resource called Centerlink. Listeners, just Google it, Centerlink, LGBT. And uh, once you get onto their site, 
you can put in your zip code or your address and you can find the nearest queer community center to you. Go there, uh, introduce yourself, ask what their programs are, check out their bulletin boards. Every center is different, every center offers different resources, but every center is sort of a nucleus or a hub of networking. Hmm. So whether you need a, a queer substance abuse program, whether you need a lawyer, whether you need um, a parent support group, whatever it might be, CenterLink is the place to start looking for support like that. Okay, that's good news. And uh, let, let, what other groups should we talk about? I remember that I read something here. You said, um, you said something about P, PF flag or P flag, I think it is something. Yeah, just the, like the word flag with the capital letter P in front of it, E flag, all together, no spaces. That stands for Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. Now listen, they've got that name because they've been around for decades before the word transgender and other sorts of things came into active vocabulary. But they're very trans-friendly. They have excellent reputation for um, being trans-friendly. E-Flag is a group that that primarily, it started as parents of gay kids. But what it's really morphed into these days is a networking organization of queer people and their friends and families who support them. Generally, if you can find a local group, they have they have chapters and they hold meetings. Um, and again, it's just an excellent resource for local community networking. Even if you live in a small area that doesn't maybe have a queer community center in reasonable driving distance, there may be a P flag chapter that meets. Oh, interesting! And that's a good place. That's a good place to start networking. Also, okay. That's good to know. Well, I'm hoping. That, yeah, well, I'm hoping that all the folks who get a chance to listen to this are going to pay attention to that. So, next question: If someone wants to help, are there ways to do it without incurring the wrath of their community peers? I mean, you know, like I mentioned, I support ACLU here in Richmond, Virginia, and I also push it out on my podcast. But if you wanted to help anonymously, are there any ways to do it safely? And I know sometimes that's what a lot of people are worried about. They don't want to be publicly outed for helping, you know, especially in a red area of the country. Um, they want to help, but they're afraid to. Sure. It's not always safe to be out. Um, I don't. Uh, 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 here in, in Red State, Michigan, I don't wear a rainbow scarf. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not closeted either, but I, I live differently here than I lived when I lived in Detroit. I'll tell you that. Mm. Um, listen, for people who need to stay in the closet for practical reasons, I'm just going to say that, that, first of all, find a community center and go there, and at least sometimes go to a place where you can be with your people. Mm-hmm. Because that's important for your mental health, or or find a maybe a bar. But it doesn't sound like maybe the greatest place to go, but, but queer bars can be cool. Uh, but find a community center or find some sort of meeting that you know where you can occasionally be with your people and 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 feel safe and supported. But if you want to help, 
I'm going to tap free agencies. I'm not connected to them. They don't know who I am. <laughs> okay. I get nothing out of it. But, but first of all, I've already mentioned Lambda Legal. Okay. If you can, if you have money to give, give to Lambda Legal, please. They, they do some of the greatest LGBTQ advocacy work in the United States. Um, so that's one. There's another organization that you could support that would be very important for you to support, and that would be Glisten. It's pronounced Glisten, but it's spelled G-L-S-E-N. Google Okay. Uh, Glisten, G-L-S-E-N. They support school teachers, queer school teachers, and queer students. Hmm. They do direct support. Uh, they help facilitate GSA clubs in schools that students want to act, that students want to form. They do a fantastic book program, kind of guerrilla. You've heard all about the book banning programs and so forth, taking queer books out of schools and right. libraries. Well, listen, puts them back. Huh. So, uh, so Lambda Legal, listen, G-L-S-E-N, and then the, the third agency that I want to mention that's very important for supporting is the Trevor Project. Just Google Trevor Project. They do direct phone support for queer youth uh, in mental health crisis and or suicidal. Oh. And they are overwhelmed. They yeah. started, uh, oh, just a little over a year ago, I guess now, the last September, they started sending out emergency alerts through queer networks. Hey, we're swamped. Our phone calls are, our phone calls have increased by something like nearly an order of magnitude. Um, we can't hire, uh, staff. We can't find volunteers quickly enough to meet demand. Our phones are ringing off the hooks and we need help. Hmm. And, and that, that, it, it remains a crisis to this day. So, so if you can help Trevor Project, please do. You can volunteer too, by the way. Yeah, I see. It's not just a matter of money. Uh, they're looking for volunteers. Uh, I don't know how it works because I'm, as I say, I'm not associated with them, but I know they're looking for volunteers for the phone support that they do. I don't know, um, what your qualifications need to be, but I know that not all of their volunteers are mental health professionals. So if you want to help that way, by all means, you know, Google Trevor Project and mm -hmm. find out how you can help. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be the first question I think somebody would have for something like that is would you need some kind of special credentials or training for something like that? Not always. It, it depends on the role, but there's lots of things that Trevor Project needs help with. So give them a call and find out what you can do. Okay, very good. All right, two more questions I got for you here. Okay. This one here is, what are you most afraid of in this fight for LGBTQ rights and acceptance? You know, and I, and I mentioned this, the bigger culture picture here in North America, and I say that because I want to include, you, I want to include the Canadians in this. They're having their own issues, especially up in New Brunswick right now. Yes, yes, and one of uh, one of my co-editors at Prison and Pen is is, is a Canadian uh, from Regina, actually, mm. and uh, she keeps she keeps my head in the 
Canadian game, so to speak, because there's a lot of ugliness is going on in Canada right now, too, and it's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, because if it can happen in Canada, you know it's bad. That's right. So, so, so what are my biggest fears? Well, I mean, we're, my biggest fear, I guess, would, would, would be that I'm wrong. That, that we're not at the peak of the backlash now, that it isn't going to start to slowly abate, and that instead it becomes more bitter and toxic. Mm. That would be terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, am I realistically afraid of that? Well, anything could happen. So, yeah, I guess I am realistically afraid of that. I don't think it's the strongest possibility, but it could happen. It's, it's sort of a subcategory of the backlash not abating. I do fear that left-wing transphobia, which isn't a huge phenomenon in the United States right now, which is not a huge phenomenon, would become big like it is in the United Kingdom. In the UK, um, transphobia is entrenched in public opinion to the point and it doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative. Uh, it's everywhere. It's infected the Labour Party very badly. Uh, obviously, the Tories, the Conservative Party, um, they have it bad. But but the opposition, the official opposition party, is no haven for trans people. And 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 some of the smaller um, some of the smaller alternative parties aren't exactly trans aren't exactly championing trans rights either. Hmm. So so that would be my fear in the United States. Right now, transphobia in the United States is largely, primarily, driven by conservative religious people. Yeah. In the UK, it's driven from all over the place. Wow. Uh, and and I would, I'm very much afraid that something like that could happen here. I, I, I don't think it's likely. I think that our political reality is much more tribal than the political reality in a multi-party state like the UK. Mm. I don't see Democrats embracing um, turf, gender-critical ideology because of that tribalness, because they perceive those values as Republican values, and they're going to do whatever the Republicans, they're going to do the opposite of whatever the Republicans do. Right, right, right. For now. Right. I think we're too divided as a nation even to cooperate in bigotry. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. It does, actually. But I'm not, yeah, but I'm not sanguine because things could change. Oh, yeah. Fast. Could. And, and so that's a fear, and it's a big fear that, 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 trans, that anti-trans ideology could infect the left and the Democratic Party. Yeah, Hungary, Hungary over there is ramping things up over a lot more here lately. Uh, they just arrested a guy for trying to sell an LGBTQ book. But, you know, they, they've been that way for a while. My concern over there is, you know, how many other countries are going to get on board with this? Well, that, that's a big concern. And, and, and as far as the United States goes, a concern is that, that the Republican Party is is embracing uh, Hungary mm. uh, and, yeah. and pointing at them as an example for how we should structure our society. Right. And and that shocks me because I, I 
I, I don't understand how supposed freedom-loving Americans could point at at a country run by a political strongman who's nearly a totalitarian dictator and say that's where we should go. I don't get that. Well, the fact that Trump wants to be like him, I think, is is a good motivator for some of them. I guess. I guess. I don't know, but I'm hoping that that's all going to... I know what your next question is, and I'm going to say that's a great transition. Why don't you ask the next question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, so here's the thing, and it is the last question I've got for you. Should the GOP win the next presidential election by some horrific set of circumstances, and I, I want to quote that in big quotation marks, horrific circumstances. Right. You know, how do you see the social climate changing for everyone? And I I, I said this around the world because it goes back to what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I don't know. It's hard to speculate because, honestly, I don't think there's a chance in hell that either Trump or DeSantis could win a general election and become president. Right. Um, and at the moment, you know, so, so this is kind of what gives me some hope. Only an unelectable hardliner, you know, could really win the GOP nomination. Hmm. I mean, I don't see Chris Christie coming and snatching the nomination from Trump. No. I, I don't see... I don't see DeSantis winning it either, but he could. I mean, if Trump if, if, if Trump is suddenly out of the race for some legal reasons or something, DeSantis could could indeed, you know, snatch the the, the Republican nod. But um, but again, I don't think that either one of them has a chance in hell of becoming president. Right. Um. I I guess I just made a prediction, but you know, and and, and of course I could be wrong. But I think we're going to muddle through. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I think that the Supreme Court is going to continue to do a lot of really horrible things. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to continue awarding a lot of undeserved privileges, undemocratic privileges to conservative Christians. Uh, But I think we have to keep the bigger picture in mind. And here I am being optimistic again, but look, Socio, sociologically speaking, conservative Christianity is on its way out True. in the United States. True. Um, the pews are emptying out, uh, and and the population of conservative U.S. Christians is imploding. And and I was about to say imploding rapidly, but I guess that's uh, unnecessary. If something is imploding, it's rapid by definition. Yeah. <laughs> Look, 20 years from now, uh, 20 years from now, according to recent, you know, studies, uh, conservative U.S. Christians are going to be an insignificant minority. Hmm. And, and that's part of what's causing all this backlash right now. They're, they're fighting a last gasp battle for relevance. Yeah. But in my opinion, they've already lost. Look. Like, they're still toxic and dangerous. I get it. Lots of innocent people are suffering because of conservative Christian nonsense. But they really are on their way out. And all we have to do is fight a holy action. And, and, and so they're, in 
until their numbers naturally reduce. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean to minimize the pain of that, but it, and how depressing that might be for the next twenty or thirty years. You have to put up with with a lot of nonsense and a lot of toxicity and a lot of attacks and a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering. But I think we need to keep the. It's really important that we keep the bigger picture in mind that we are going to win. We are winning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are looking at a battle of the bulb situation right now in 2023. It's bad. The artillery shells are coming in. <laughs> uh, you know, we're taking hits. The, the lines are, in, 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 in some places, the lines are moving back rapidly as, as we retreat. You know, in places like Oklahoma and Idaho and Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. But, but let's not forget the bigger picture. We're winning. We have the hearts and minds of the nation. And we just have to keep fighting. Right, right. And I agree with that. Um, that's the big thing about fighting. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Christian and I'm, I'm very open about that. I gave up Christianity right. years ago. And at the same time, though, I'm also a little circumspect about how I promote that as far as that about myself. I don't I don't run around with a flag saying, hey, you know, I'm not a Christian because that can that can cause problems um, that I don't want to get into. But at the same time, I'm not in a closet either. And I think you're right. There's a lot of people out there pretty much in the same. You know, they're they're going with moderate types of Christianity and some of them are just flat out going atheist uh, but whatever it is they end up doing you're right um, and that's, sure. that's Listen, my co-editor Esther Jones with Prison and Pen is a Christian so there's absolutely nothing that says that a good Christian can't be a queer person right Esther is both yeah and, and, and that's the sentiment that's taking over um Conservative evangelical Christians and other sorts of conservative Christians are 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 furious about that because somehow it upsets their worldview. I don't really get it. I don't pretend to get it, but they're lashing out um, because of that. Mm-hmm. But they can't win. They can't because their populations keep shrinking. Right. So that's and- my. Yeah, and as the evangelical Christians shrink, so does the GOP. <laughs> well, for now, the, the Republican Party is going to have a, a, a reckoning. Something's going to happen. I, I don't know what, but um, something is going to change. So I hope, you know, that within the next 10 years or so, that that really starts happening and the Republican Party and evangelical Christianity have a party other ways. I think it has to happen if the Republican Party is going to remain uh, a force. If that doesn't happen, then maybe we'll have a great party switch like we did, like we have a couple times, you know, mm-hmm. in history and one of our parties dies and another one, another one is born to take its place. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to wait we'll and see. see. We'll have to wait and see. Well, Mr. James Finn, I really appreciate you doing this interview with me. Um, you got anything else? Do you want to leave some imparts here uh, for anybody who's listening to this? Um, check us out at Prison and Pen. We, we publish two to four.
four stories every day by trans people, bisexual people, asexual people, gay people, lesbians. And uh, from from 16 years old to 78 years old. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. That's all I have for you today. I hope I've enlightened you a little bit with my choice of stories and thoughts. I'm going to close out this show with my thoughts on the current backlash over the LGBTQ plus and transgender people around the world and any other persecuted peoples, especially here in the U.S. Why? What do you, I mean, why? Why do you, what do you have against them? I suppose it's the same answer you would give about somebody with darker skin or a non-Christian believer. They're not biblical. We're white. Therefore, we're the superior race. Well, I don't know who told you all that, but that's pure bullshit. But it dominates our media and has for centuries. Why? What do you have against people who aren't like you? I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of On Crom Behalf. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crom Behalf podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree together during our time together. As a Shahe, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you some news from the outside world, or maybe a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think for a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Schlong which means goodbye for now in Irish.